Hey comrades, thanks for tuning into this proletarian life. It's Alex here. Sorry I've been away for a bit. I've been super busy with grad school and working full time as many of you know. So admittedly this episode is a little more simple, kind of more of a classic interview style. However, on this episode is a very entertaining person so that kind of makes up for it. It's Johnny from Comradical. Um, he's also a friend of mine. Uh, I was able to meet him at ProlsCon and we had a blast. He's such a great positive person, been through so much and yet keeps his head high and uh, was super great to talk to. So um, without all of my usual editing that I like to do, it's still a good episode and he has a lot of uh, interesting things to say and a, uh, an important perspective to take in. So I hope you enjoy this episode of This Proletarian Life. Thanks for tuning in and solidarity forever. Hi, I am Johnny. Uh, I am the co-host of Comradical with uh, my bestest friend Haley, uh, and I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey. Um, my, I, I am biracial and I am bisexual, and uh, I'm a Marxist-Leninist. And uh, you know, my family, growing up and very largely to this day, is still predominantly, or at least my immediate family is predominantly very liberal. Um, I was literally just having like a back and forth with my mom um, earlier uh, about what's going on in Hong Kong. Really? And um, is it a lot of like dispelling myths for your family and stuff like that? It is uh, so much more than that. It is... um, like a like an uphill battle of like you know the 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 whole myth of uh, American exceptionalism. It's not just for reactionaries. It's for liberals too. Oh yeah. That you know America is like you know the great country of of peace and democracy, and that like any kind of intervention, um, you know that America takes place in abroad is for the betterment of like the people of that country. When in reality, it's uh, no, no, to to a large degree, it, it never is. In fact, right. it just it just never is because I can't actually think of an example where um, it even would be that. I know, right? Um, and I think that's a huge, huge hump to get over, like for people who are liberals uh, becoming radicalized. So. I feel you. Uh, just keep your head up, <laughs> as my comrade. Um, <laughs> so let's get into your uh, your political development. Um, how how would you say was the way that you started to have a political consciousness? Consciousness. What was your earliest you know political memory? Uh, I would say definitely nine eleven, and uh, I think like to a light degree. I just remember how upset my parents were. And I remember being at my uncle's house uh, the night of the uh, Bush-Gore, you know, uh, election. And I don't think that, like, I had any understanding of, like, what was going on. I just knew from my parents that, like, you know, uh, it didn't go right. <laughs> but I think 9-11 was, like, the, the biggest uh, moment in my life of radicalization that really made me start to question things beyond just, like, what was going on domestically and really had me uh, start to investigate, um, you know, to whatever degree I could in, like, you know, the sixth or seventh grade, or, or was it eighth? I don't, I don't know. I was little, right? I'm 30 now, so you do the math. Um, 
because I can't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it, that is what really had me start, you know, uh, questioning, like, you know, where the Middle East was. Uh, why would these people be attacking us? What is going on in the Middle East? Where is Saudi Arabia? Like, you know, why are, and three years after the fact, why are we invading Iraq if, uh, you know, the, the, you know, that they were from Afghanistan, but then it turns out they weren't Afghani, that uh, that was just the country where Osama bin Laden was. Who the fuck is Osama bin Laden? Um, and why do these people that are largely um, from Saudi Arabia, why are they in Afghan? Whole slew right. of questions. Yeah, right? and I think maybe even it was similar to me where you like basically open the floodgates to all these questions and you realize how much you have not been taught about these other places and these other histories and you feel oh, yeah. like that paranoia like yeah the the government has been keeping stuff from us they're purposely keeping us ignorant it's not even just like them keeping us ignorant it really made me question like you know how good is our education and I, I still remember, like, uh, I, I have this moment, right, and I was in high school at the time, and there was this punk kid, and of course he was very anarchist, and, you know, he probably never thinks about this, but I do, and there was this moment where, like, we got into, like, this, like, quarrel about, you know, how the U.S. government operates, and I was still very liberal at the time, and uh, he said to me, that the U.S. government operates like a mafia that will defend its own, right, and they will cut out their own, or some shit like that. I, I can't uh, remember the exact specifics of what he said, but I remember him trying to compare it to the mafia, like the Italian mob, and I remember thinking, well, that's ridiculous! It can't be like that! And, like, you know, the teacher supported me, and, like, you know, the rest of the class, like, laughed at this kid, and, you know, now that I'm, like, 30 years old and I'm, like, a Marxist-Leninist, even though he's an an he was an anarchist looking back on it, I still feel, like, you know, this amount of guilt that, like, I probably, like, shot down this kid that, like, you know, we have a lot more in common today while, while he, you know, is, like, you know, 15 at the time and I'm 30 than, like, you know, me at, like, 15 or whatever and me at 30 now. Right, right. You could see that that person was politically growing in some way. And it sucks because a lot of the times we are just like parroting the American Western chauvinism and hegemony and we don't even realize it until later we're like, fuck! <laughs> yeah, because we're, we're literally just repeating what our parents say and like, you know, where are they hearing it from and where are they getting their information from and why are they, 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 they feeling that way in the first place? And when you get down to it, like even my parents, they're, they're, they're not that old. They're like in their fifties now. Right. So that means that, that even at that time where like the cold war was winding down, right. Um, I think they must've been what in their twenties or thirties when the Berlin wall fell and yeah. the Soviet union dissolved. Right. Um, I don't have any memory of it, and I was, like, four or five years old. Th they were growing up, like, hiding underneath wooden desks, being told that the Soviet Union would, could bomb them at any time and right. kill us all. Even though the Soviet Union has, uh, as far as I can tell, right, no history of right. aggression. And, um, I know this, but uh, the listeners might not. Um, you kind of mentioned how during 9-11 you saw like a turn in people's attitudes and paranoia and like towards your father and stuff. Oh my god. Yeah, well because 
uh, my family's uh, my, my my father's family is from you know uh, Mumbai, and we're we're Anglo Indian, so fr from Mumbai, formerly Bombay, to England, uh, there is a whole uh, cultural disconnect, and uh, you know from what I, I have gathered internalized racism uh, in terms of you know when my father lived in England which is where he was born uh, not being accepted there for this for the color of his skin and then you know uh, for a short period of his life in India um, that was very formative not being accepted for not being culturally Indian not speaking the language and being told little English boy go back home even though it was never his choice right. to go there in the first place. And the entire time that my father was, like, you know, suffering, like, uh, in, in either place, right? Either the, the, you know, racially motivated disparities in England or the cultural, uh, you know, um, lack of, of self in India. Uh, that entire time, you know, he was daydreaming about coming to America where he thought that he would never have to deal with any of this. Yeah, and that's like the saddest part for, oh, like that breaks my heart because I feel like that's what happened to my mom and my grandma too when they came over. Like, you know, they, they're told these lies about what America is when they get here. It's so fucking racist. It's so oppressive. Oh, and my parents and my family, definitely from Vietnam, have, have faced so much racism and it's just disgusting. And it's like, I'm sorry you came here and had to deal with more shit, you know? Yeah, you know, my dad, you know, he served in the U.S. Air Force, right? Never flew a plane or anything, just loaded bombs on them. So he worked for, you know, uh, a union, right, as like a master electrician for, at that point, at least over a decade, close to 15 years. And uh, he had people that, like, knew him, worked with him. And, you know, it's a dangerous, hazardous job to, to work in being a lineman. And people were questioning him, uh, hey, where are you from again? Because of the color of his yeah, skin. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, that's so awful. Yeah. And he no accent or anything. Like, my dad, like, the, the how badly he wanted to be an American, he told me. It's like, the first thing I wanted to right. do was get rid of my accent. And would, like, go to, like, uh, this movie theater that played, like, spaghetti westerns when he first lived in New York, and he learned how to, like, imitate Clint Eastwood in, like, spaghetti westerns, which is a whole other funny thing, you know, dubbed western, and he's, like, learning how to talk like wow. an American through that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's, uh, we should do an episode sometime in the future talking about, like, um, immigrant parent stories, because that would be really cool. Oh my but, god, yeah. Um, yeah, that's just really sad, and, um, do you feel like, uh, knowing these kinds of things about, like, what your uh, parents went through and stuff like that, did that ever give you, like, a sense of disconnect from being an American or feeling accepted as an American? Well, that's the thing is that, like, you know, I still remember in grade school being told to, like, write out my family tree, and, like, it, it was, like, a weird fucking, like, you know, we just want to know what ethnicity you are, you know, living in the suburbs. Um, and my dad, when I asked him, you know, he's like, you're an American, and if anybody ever asked you, that's all you need to tell them. And I was like, all right, I'll just tell them that. And like, I got yelled at, and I got told to do it, no, and I went to my mom this time. She's like, shit, bleep that. Yeah. No one needs to know my dad's name. 
but like my mom was like um no one needs to know you know like they, they don't care about any of that crap like you know my mom's side of the family is totally like blue collar been here for you know at least right. two or three generations like post civil war like industrial revolution um irish scotch german you know uh-huh yeah long history as americans yeah. Long long history of pale faces. <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, so you kind of brought up a an informative era of your life where you know you were starting to question things. Um, how did you further uh, grow in your political identity then? Well, uh, around graduating high school, we had to do a senior paper, and I decided to do my senior paper on American terrorism. And everybody thought that I was doing my paper on 9-11, when in reality, I was like, no, I'm, I'm actually doing my paper uh, specifically on uh, the, the Al-Shifa bombing, um, where uh, I think under the Clinton administration, we bombed the Al-Shifa uh, pharmaceutical factory. I think it was in Sudan. I could be wrong. It's been a long time since I looked at any of this. But, uh, yeah, we, we caused uh, what, hundreds of thousands, if not more. It's toll, the death toll was insane to look at at the time. And, you know, um, it's not too long before this, because high school is only four years. Middle school, I had just learned about the Holocaust, and I was that kid that cried in class Aww. and couldn't understand, like, why I couldn't wrap my head around, like, I'm on the spectrum, so, like, sarcasm and, like, you know, human emotions were, were already, like, you know, uh, I have NLD, nonverbal learning disability, so, like, you know, it would, I'm, I'm a very sensitive person when it comes to that stuff, I, I you know, um, so, like, I, I cried in class because I couldn't wrap my head around why yeah. you would kill that many people. And then, you know, uh, fucking 9-11 happening and, you know, coming home and my mom, like, you know, I, I didn't care. It, weekdays, like, I ran home after school not to watch the fucking news in, like, you know, 7th or 8th or 6th or whatever the fuck year it was. Like, I ran home to watch Beast Wars, right, for anybody that loves Transformers. Like, <laughs> I used to run home to watch that shit and it was on Fox Kids and... Little did I know that they had suspended all of that, like, you know, programming block for kids and w were just playing, uh, you know, live footage of what was happening in New York. And uh, I watched the second plane hit the, the towers, or the second tower. I, I don't remember specifically. All I know is I remember watching a fucking plane hitting a building and then them showing, like, people jumping out of a burning fucking building and people screaming and all of it. And, like, you know... Right. fucks you up, you know? Uh, no matter what, like, 14-year-old me said, like, I did care at the time, and I was very emotionally affected by it. Uh, so, you know, learning about this, you know, uh, less than four years after the fact that, like, we were responsible for that many deaths, and not even just, like, the, the, the people that, you know, were in the factory, working at the factory. Uh, I'm talking about, like, you know, the people that died afterwards of not being able to get the pharmaceuticals that they needed to either stay healthy or sickness. Uh, it was also, I believe, making pharmaceuticals for livestock. So that's people that starved to death, died of malnutrition. Uh, it fucked me up. And it really, like, you know, stuck with me, even though I stayed with the whole, like, I'm a liberal, I vote Democrat because... That's what my family votes, and the you know the Democrats, they're not racist, and and you know they want to help out people, 
you know, the, the, the usual shit that, like, anybody can fucking get with, unless you grew up in a conservative home or are reactionary today. Yeah. Do you want to talk about more of your specific um, actions that you took to kind of seek out more political education, um, being pulled left more, maybe more radically? Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, so, you know, uh, years after high school, a couple years after the fact, like, my drug use got worse and worse, and uh, I eventually ended up going to rehab at 22. Uh, I got out, and I met this kid, uh, you know, who was, you know, going for, I think, like, a master's or something in economics. Pretty much, like, when I first met him, I was like, dude, I'm so far removed from politics. I voted for Obama twice, and by the second time, I had already become, like, pretty disillusioned and thought, that, like, you know, the Republicans just won't let him do anything, so the whole thing's fucked. None of them fucking care. Um, and he, you know, told me, well, if you don't give a shit about politics... Who the fuck will? If you don't get involved and do something, what, you're just going to leave it up to, like, you know, some other fucking asshole to speak for you? And uh, he had, you know, pretty, you know, uh, anarchist views, too, at the time. And uh, this was around, like, you know, uh, the 2016 election, right? Uh, I remember, you know... um, crying that night till like four o'clock in the morning with my brother holding him because he has his own uh psychiatric issues and i remember him like you know just questioning like you know what's gonna happen to me if i have like another episode and i don't have insurance what's gonna happen to me if like you know shit gets really bad and i i i won't be able to to get into a hospital or anything like what am i gonna do and i didn't have any answers for him and like you know my mom has ms and my dad had had a heart attack you know not too long before that and had diabetes and my sister was like a hundred thousand fucking dollars in debt you know trying to become a nurse and there was all this shit going on and it came to a point where i was just at red lights you know in my car crying Mm -hmm. because i didn't know what to do i didn't know what was going to happen you know um i was scared yeah you know and my friend uh he you know told me get involved there's plenty of organizations that are around uh and i remember i think i watched this is around the time that i was still i still thought like noam chomsky well i actually because of him i thought noam chomsky was like cool (laughs) you know and he was (laughs) and and he was doing some talk uh around like the the 2016 election i was watching it on youtube and it had uh what's her name from democracy now and uh amy goodman i think and uh I forget the the name of the the actor. He's like a Black World War II veteran. He was talking to during the talk, and, and, and the point is that like they ended up talking about the Democratic Socialists of America, the DSA. Right. I had never heard of it, and uh, I ended up like going to a meeting randomly, and I had no idea what the fuck socialism was. You know, during the 2016 election, I butted heads with my mom repeatedly. Uh, to this day, who probably still loves Hill Dog. (laughs) (laughs) No! I know. Uh, Even though, like, you know, every time I try and bring up, like, all right, Libya, the the children she sent back to the border from Honduras, that, like, you know, there's, like, so much. Yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. (laughs) It's kind of hard to to deny. But whatever. You know, um, she's, like, defending Hong Kong protesters now, even though... 
I don't know, she says, I won't pick a side, or I shouldn't pick a side either, because we don't live there, and we don't know what's going on, and it's, whatever, whatever. Get, getting off topic, but I always do that. Um, this is why it needed to be an interview, Alex. <laughs> no, no, so, it's, it's great. So you, you went to the DSA, huh? I went to the DSA. I knew nothing about fucking socialism besides that, like, I liked Bernie, and I thought he should have won, and I thought he did win, and, uh... You know, nobody could explain fucking anything to me. I think I went to like, at least like a handful of meetings, not knowing anything. And the only response I would get from people is like, "I don't know, just like read the bread book or something." And like, one day uh, I'm at a meeting and I wanted, and I was talking about how we need like an educational program uh, or some kind of like a learning day or something about like socialism because there was a ton of new people that were joining up at that time like the the membership was still exploding post 2016 election exploding to a point where there was this uh, nefarious characters that showed up to one of these meetings one time and i was asking some questions you know on the floor about wanting to know more about socialism this guy approaches me and he's like why don't you come with me let's uh let's go get some food and uh, i'll tell you everything you need to know about socialism he gives me like a reading list and uh you know Great Leap for not man, it was like workers giant leap. For, I don't fucking remember. I, it's probably still saved on my phone under notes somewhere. Point is that uh, you know th- this guy is talking to me about how like you know I'm part of another uh, socialist organization, but don't let anybody <laughs> know because uh, yeah, because of the DSA bylaws they'll kick <laughs> us out. And I was like, oh what? This sounds badass. This is like fucking <laughs> subversive and shit. Like yeah, I want to be part of that. You know. I'm still pretty, like, cringe bro, like, you know... Like, at the time, I was still listening to fucking, like, Champo Tramp House, because, like, that is something that, like, you know... I grew up on, like, Mel Brooks movies and, uh, you know, George Carlin and all that other shit, and, like, cringy, ironic, you know, even though there's no such thing as irony. Uh, like, offensive humor, I still thought, like, was... That, that was, like, my go-to. My... Oh, my God. The fucking mindset that I had, the shit that I was probably saying to people at the time, it honestly is really embarrassing. Way more embarrassing it's okay. than, like, anything else. Everyone, everyone goes through a process. It's a process. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it, I still cringe because, like, Ethan and all that, they'll talk about how important Occupy was for them. Right. When Occupy was happening, I was, like, dope sick watching the TV, watching cops mace people, and my opinion of the time was, like, How's the fastest way I could become a cop? I want to mace hippies. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was bad. It was bad. There was no class consciousness. There was no, like, anything. I just, like, I was a person in pain. Oh. And I wanted to hurt other people. I was in some weird fucking nihilistic place at the time where I wanted the world to burn and I wanted a meteorite to kill us all because I wanted to die. Yeah. I meet a lot of people like that and... That is, like, one of the first things to get over and to, like, consolidate with yourself, you know, before moving on. Because a lot of people do have that very nihilistic, just, like, everyone should die, the world should burn kind of mindset. It's not great. No, it helps no one. It offers no solutions. It offers no material benefit to fucking anybody. But we'll get to materialism in a second. Um, so, you know, I was a... Like, secret member of the IMT, a member of the DSA. I was an avid listener of Chapo Trap House and whatever people they had on. Yeah, even that one. 
the really bad one. Again, I, like, you know, I'll cop to this, you know, that, like, I had a really bad mindset at the time, and, like, you know, I thought that there was such a thing as irony, and I thought that, like, you know, everybody was just, like, being sensitive about this. It's bad. It's real bad. Um, and I've done, like, a lot of... I, I actually owe it to, like, you know, a lot of the people that I was in the DSA and for calling me in instead of kicking me out of the DSA immediately and being like, do you understand, like, the oppressive language that you use and how uncomfortable you can make other people feel? Um, and I was like, fuck! I don't want to make other people fucking feel like, you know, they're not welcome here or anything. I don't want to be a dickhead, because remember, like, at this time I'm also in recovery, and it's just like, I don't, don't want to fucking be like that, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I go to the 2017 DSA National Convention, and... You know, I remember screaming, ah, auntie, auntie capitalista, with, like, you know, a thousand other people in the room, and uh, thinking that, like, all right, you know, we're going to be able to do something. And then, like, you know, after that, being like, you know what, I, I don't really want, I'm not down with the whole IMT thing, like, because a lot of them had some, like, really, or at least one specific one put a bad taste in my mouth. Very questionable stuff, like, you know, almost, like kind of floated the question of asking me, you know, to ask another comrade, like, you know, have you ever thought about giving up on Islam and, like, you know, maybe not being Muslim anymore? Yep. And I was just like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yikes. Yeah, and, like, you know, uh, the the questionable beliefs of, of you know, the, the, the class reductionism, um, you know, uh, all, all that. It, it just put a bad taste in my mouth. So yeah, I ended up, you know, kind of drifting further away from the IMT, and I was just, like, unhappy, and I wanted, still wanted to know more, and I kept on learning more about theory, actually via Brett from Revolutionary Left Radio, that had a huge, uh, I, I would say it catapulted me into, you know, becoming ML, because at the time, like, you know, when I first started listening, uh, I, you know, still thought there were benefits of anarchism, and, you know, but I fervently believed in communism so i was like i'm an anarcho-communist you know i still believed in the uh the age-old myth that like you know well communism is the ultimate way to anarchism because only until like the state withers away and class you know <laughs> class withers away with it that like we can have a true successful anarchist society <laughs> but i i don't i don't i don't believe that anymore um I just, I, I, I don't, I, I believe that we are so far away from even, uh, even achieving communism at this point that, like, it's not even worth looking into. So, I started listening to Rev Left, I moved on from IMT, and, you know, I was, like, you know, because of Chapo Trap House on Twitter, and I started seeing these tweets by this person, by Kiran Opal, I'm probably mispronouncing the living Christ out of it, Honeycombs, and, like, a bunch of, like, PSL-related... Uh, um, Twitter handles and things like that that, that were uh, being called tankies and shit like that and uh, really like giving that some thought and I, I know that uh, Brett had had one or two people on that like had defended Stalin or were from the PSL on his podcast and I was like whoa that's fucking wild like I've never heard of that Yeah. you know and then um, I think somewhere around that time I, uh, I think I, I, I had heard the, uh, 
the Pearl's Pod episode on the fall of the Soviet Union or the space program. I'd have to go back and like look at it. One of those two that I had heard. This is before the Stalin app. And I had heard those two, and I was like, okay, I think I'm willing to defend, like, you know, the the Soviet Union. And it was like, you know, in that transition period, you know, that I was following all of these, like, PSL uh, Twitter handles that I was, like, considering, like, am I MLM? Because, you know, wouldn't MLM be, like, the, the successor to ML? Wouldn't that be the most, like, uh, scientifically advanced position? But I'm like, but they don't support China and, like, you know, I, I don't know, like, because the U.S. doesn't support China either, so I'm, like, in this weird thing where I'm, like, trying to figure out, like, which one's the best one, because I do like Mao, you know, I should definitely read more Mao, uh, but, like, I don't know, I don't know what, what to think, um, at the time, and, uh, I, I, I heard, like, you know, the, the, uh, the Rev Left episode on, on Stalin, and, uh, I think by that time I had made, like, a pretty committed stance to, like, I think I'm a Marxist-Leninist, uh, because, you know, especially, like, you know, the more I listened to, to you guys, and the more uh, I read into it, I don't know, I had already, like, at that point, like, given up on, like, the YPG and YPJ, uh, because of, like, you know, their support, uh, actually because of, like, a DSA comrade that was like, you know, they get support from the U.S. military, right? You should probably look into that, and then, like, Trotskyism, like, that was long dead to me, uh, you know, Trotsky had it coming, and, like, you know, they, they, they fucking, they revere this asshole that, like, you know, lost the fucking vote. They're, they're, they're like, Hillary stands for fucking, you know, a, a guy, you know, even though our, our brave leader was never in the running, he should have won, and then talking about how, like, you know, permanent revolution is the way, even though no fucking revolution in history has actually you know, use that as a model or even, <laughs> like, fucking... I, I, it makes no fucking sense. And they talk so much shit about everyone else. You'd think that, like, they'd at least have, like, a leg up. Like, their only fucking history, no matter what you look into, is, like, they're complicit in, you know, literally working with the, 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 the U.S. State Department to, to de-radicalize or to, to fucking, like splinter themselves or another revolutionary organization it's astounding and that like you know when you look into khrushchev's secret speech that like you know that in that speech he fucking you know uh, uh talks about how trotsky actually isn't that fucking bad like yeah they never talk about it they never bring it up even though without it i don't think there would even be trotskyist organizations in the world today i really don't oh damn I really don't. No, I, I really don't. Because, like, what? Frida Kahlo was apparently a Trotskyist, but you never fucking hear about that, right? Mm-hmm. There's, like, a, a ton of others, like, uh, but wait, what What decade was... Yeah, like, she was around, like, while he was alive, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, um, Trotsky stayed with Frida and uh, Diego in Mexico for a while. I don't know, it's just so silly that people would, like, prop him up still when we have all this history, like showing how much of a dick he was, like how much he obviously was trying to um, supersede the progressive actions of the USSR, like I was beaten by a barbaric Georgian fucking I know, so orientalist and just just a shit, you know? And anti-Semitic, he never even learned fucking Yiddish because uh, what was it that like, you know, he, he like didn't believe in it or some shit yeah, or like so didn't dumb. even identify as jewish or anything like that yeah he was just like eurocentric as fuck <laughs> yeah 
I mean, then there's the whole bit about him going to fascist Italy and, you know, mm-hmm. you can't disprove yep. that he didn't work with fucking imperialist Japan or Nazi Germany. There's a whole... Read whole freaking Grover Fur, man. <laughs> read Grover Fur. Honestly, like, you want to go ML? Read Grover Fur. <laughs> I you know, know? Uh, Like, yeah. fucking, and, like, if you want to dispute it, fucking use, using his book and his resources, disprove him. I'm still waiting. Like, if you want to be, like, you know, like, the guy, right, I think that uh, you would be the guy, right, or, or woman, you know, so be it, like, you know, to or non-binary person, to, to disprove Grover Fur. I think that, like, you know, that's a pretty big mantle. None of the other fucking, uh, uh, quote-unquote, legitimate fucking historians have bothered to do it or even tried or attempted, right? Right. right. Um... So let me let me try to um, rule this back in because that was a beautiful little <laughs> a little hate. <laughs> that's 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 that all was... I am, Alex. It's just streaming consciousness going into every no, it was fucking great. direction. It's a nice little spice session. You know, we gotta get that fire. <laughs> um, that's all I am is piss and vinegar. Yeah, basically at this point you're you are almost to where you are now, which is basically marxist leninist um we've met in person you're freaking awesome um you talked about before like your plans in the future to move to a new area of um yeah i mean and that's honestly what's preventing me from really wanting to get more established in uh, another organization because after uh my northeast regional conference um as a member of the dsa i quit uh that was the biggest bunch of bullshit i've ever seen uh, there was an undemocratic, completely undemocratic move to, uh, you know, uh, uh, put their members in a precarious position where they don't care about the safety of their members. There still isn't a bail fund for actions that they would expect them to take, and they are uh, uh, legally unprepared to campaign for Bernie Sanders, who, you know, uh, voted for Sesta Fosta. So no matter how you feel about sex work as an industry, this man does not support the sex workers themselves, obviously. I mean, he can deny a vote that would harm uh, or or seriously uh, damage, like, you know, the the rights and safety of of undocumented peoples in this country. Why couldn't he apply the same amount of logic to SESTA-FOSTA? On top of that, there's uh, his uh, vote towards like the, the the Venezuelan people needing to accept quote unquote democracy or some other fucking bullshit. And then there's his weak stance on Israel uh, to the point where I believe he did openly say that he supports Israel, right? Mm. And, yeah, exactly. And not like I support like the workers of Israel. If you want to go from like a trot stance of like you know, well we can't negatively affect the workers of Israel, even though like <laughs> at at that point like what what whatever whatever that's like saying that you support like you know the managerial class in fucking Hong Kong and or, yeah. or, whatever. And then there's the fucking voting to to bomb Yugoslavia, uh, which if you've never listened to Michael Parenti, uh, do so. Do so, please. Any, any, oh, yeah. just YouTube Michael Parenti, or read any of his books. Any of them. It's, it's like Noam Chomsky, but good, and there's substance and spice, and it's exciting right. to read, and yeah. exciting to listen to, 
and oh my god that, yeah, I, yeah. I, I could, I could Papa Parenti is fire yeah I love Papa Parenti <laughs> so all of all all of these things like Michael Parenti Grover Fur uh, you know the, the the Proles Pod even to you know some degree Rev Left Radio to, despite like you know the whole Rojava fucking bullshit right these were all very very formative to me in my political evolution and notice how few times I've mentioned reading it takes me a month to finish a book I have and I, like people think that I read a lot you guys read way more way faster than than I could ever and a lot of my people uh, especially like you know people that like uh, I, I was very close to in the DSA think like I read all the time like it's a struggle for me and I can totally understand if people like out there listening to this also struggle with it but like I supplement myself like with these informational resources like the the pearls pod and the greater um what, what, what is the acronym that we're going by now for oh for the united, all the united yeah pod, <laughs> I, the soviet united, of pod yeah yeah i can't remember united soviet of podcasts or some shit yeah yeah um <laughs> like that that even for me you know like i i i, I use that in a lot of ways because like i while I was, you know, uh, listening to Rev Left at first, way before I was even ML, like, you know, at work, because I could do my job without needing to, like, you know, uh, I guess pay attention as much. I could just kind of go on autopilot and listen to these podcasts that were talking about theory and these revolutionary figures, right? I could listen to that, you know, on long drives. Um, it, it was a lot, you know, easier for me to get that kind of information. And since becoming, like, you know, ML, it's, like I said earlier, like, I, I've had squabbles, like, you know, with my my immediate family, and uh, as of, you know, the most recently, you know, my, my girlfriend, she's the light of my life. I love her um, with all of my heart. And, uh, you know, I, like defended the dprk in like the first couple weeks i think that we were together and she said wow so you're like a brainwashed crazy person uh, <laughs> yeah yeah like you know it got pretty pretty whack um but like you know she's a bernie girl and like you know she doesn't care about like marxism or theory or any of that but she cares about bodily autonomy and she cares you know she's i've gotten her kind of interested in like material feminism um, and she read a little bit of, like, you know, Allison Esk's paper, and, uh, you know, I, I did give her that copy of Second Sex that Junior gave me while I was out in Colorado, so hopefully she's reading it, but, like, you know, I've found that I have way less conflict with the people I love and the people that, like, aren't willing to invest that amount of time into, like, wanting to learn this stuff, right? And it's, it's not like a... a like a, a shortcoming for them not to be interested in this everybody deals with this the whole situation right this whole like powerlessness under this capitalist system and this alienation that we feel under this capitalist system right uh and this lack of material understanding right in a different way right and so for for me to like expect like you know people to just instantly agree with me right that's 
never gonna fucking happen, you know, because, yeah. like, people aren't gonna look for, you know, uh, further information. They're not gonna if investigate this or research this unless they're unhappy with the narrative that they have, right? Or they feel that they can comfortably, you know, research that narrative and not come to some uncomfortable truths like, you know, your entire education and, you know, everything else culturally about, yeah. like, you know, America being a fallacy. It looks like uh, we're getting close to the time mark. Um, did you want to make your little um, conclusion, your plugs, uh, where people can find you, how they can find your podcast, etc.? Yeah, you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts at Comradical. Uh, you can follow me if you want. Uh, I try and post somewhat regularly. It's just me retweeting shit constantly. I don't. I, don't, I, I mean, like I, I'd like to pretend that I have hot takes that need to be heard, but like, nah. M L N J gang gang right? Is it, is it? Yeah, it is M L N J gang gang all caps. The all caps part isn't part of the Twitter at. <laughs> beautiful <laughs> all caps when you spell the man's name so um <laughs> yeah you can follow me there you can follow comradical on twitter if you want uh at comradical pod i think that's like about it you know i really don't want to try and dox myself any further than i <laughs> <laughs> yeah you've given a lot of personal information well, i really appreciate it though yeah well i mean like I i'm i'm hoping that like there's a lot more people out there that can identify with, you know, where I've been at. Oh, for sure. Right? Even more so than where I'm at now. Because, you know, uh, I know that uh, the opiate crisis in this country is real. Um, just as real as it was for China at one point. And that uh, look where they're at today. And uh, I, I think it's an example of how we can persevere through this, right? I am in recovery. I have seven years. Uh, I sponsor people. Awesome. Right? Through the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous, you know? Um, and I think that, uh, you know, there, there's actually a lot of examples within these 12-step fellowships, right? That can be like a, like a tool for learning in terms of what a cadre can look like and how it can operate where you know each person uh puts the group above the individual so that's a whole other conversation right for sure yeah, i know but like uh just hang on out there you know no matter how no matter how you're feeling right get involved in an organization i know as soon as i make my move down to wherever in new jersey that i'm living because y'all don't need to fucking know that shit <laughs> yeah um that like I'm gonna get involved with uh, probably the PSL. If not, I'll be an at-large member. Uh, but I, I do want to get involved, and I'm gonna be balancing that while trying to go to school full time and working full time. Uh, you know, half a state away. So if I can somehow make this work and somehow find the time to read maybe just four or five pages a day, along with all the other responsibilities that I have, you know, I will say this that you know. Look, if you don't feel good now, um, at least understand why you don't feel good. And I would say that Marxism-Leninism has given me, like, you know, the greatest ability to understand why I'm in the position that I'm in and why the people I love 
uh, and care about are in the precarious position that they're in today and what we can do to fix it more right. importantly. Yeah, it definitely gives you the tools to be able to understand things contemporarily and then connect it to the historical uh, development. So awesome. I feel like that is an amazing way to end this episode um thank you so much for coming on and i like you said i really do hope that these stories uh will help other people who are kind of on their journey understand that everyone starts somewhere and nobody's perfect you know yeah. always remember seems to be and stay calm radical <laughs> <laughs>